I got a job in Boston. Starts in July. What is it? Custodian, handyman. But it's just two buildings this time. So. And what a delightful Boston neighborhood have you selected for us to live in? None. What do you mean? You don't have to move to Boston. I want to be in Charlestown. And George is going to take you. What? I talked to him last week. I explained the situation to him. Georgie Jr. is going to be you in the fall, and Jimmy graduates next year. We can rent this house out until you turn 18, then you come back and stay if you want. When you turn 21, you're allowed to sell it or keep it, or whatever you want to do. We definitely have to hire out the boat when the summer's over, just like we talked about. But when you get your license, then we can... We can just figure that out when it happens. I'm still the trustee, but all the financial stuff that Joe set up for me is going to get transferred over to George. So basically, everything's staying the same except you don't have to move. And, but uh, like, who's are they going to be my guardians, or are you? Gonna... They're going to adopt you. Anyway, that's just how I set it up. You don't have to, it's up to you. So you're just gonna disappear? No. No. I set it up this way so you could stay here. And they're really glad to have you. They're I know, lucky. I know, I mean, they're great, but... Why can't you stay? Come on, Patty. I can't beat it. I can't beat it. I'm sorry. screaming welcome in it's a cinema nine podcast you are watching our show live welcome in and if you're listening 
Hi, wherever you are in the world right now. I hope you're having a wonderful evening. It's the three of us as always. And today's movie that we will focus in on a little bit later is <laughs> Manchester by the Sea, the feel-good hit of the summer. It's going to be an upbeat conversation when we dive into that doozy a little bit later. <laughs> I'm joined by Travis Roy as he has a little chuckle about that. I suppose you didn't laugh as much as I thought you would for Manchester by the Sea. It's a comedy extravaganza. Just <laughs> every moment a laugh riot. Couldn't contain myself. Originally written, originally uh, written for the Marx Brothers. Uh, script toiled <laughs> around for nearly seven years. Ah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, wasn't this a Marx project back in the day and they just couldn't get it off the ground? Something financing? I don't, I don't know what it was. I guess it was too controversial, but either way. Eric Branchum, Griffith, Indiana. How the hell are you? I'm good. Uh, gentlemen, uh, a rare Thursday night, almost on time appearance by us. I'm excited. <laughs> All three of us are here. It's almost our regular start time. You're right. We should pat ourselves on the back for a while. <laughs> Hector Savage. That's Detroit. great, man. That's Detroit. Yeah. As Gordon Lightfoot would say, Detroit. Welcome in, everybody. We're excited to have you here. Me, Eric, and Travis. We're going to focus in on Manchester by the Sea. Uh, but first, we want to remind you you can sub our YouTube, help the show grow, share it with your friends. We had a, a nice bump in our views for our last episode, which has timestamps. So if you want to skip to your favorite parts, like, hey, what is Travis? think of this movie or what was eric's first viewing we timestamp it for you on youtube so it's very easy to go to chapters and we've had a nice little bump with the basic instinct uh, off to a hot start eric you excited about if that you How, why is this speed happening? right to the third time mike mentioned the, his masturbation history just uh, go to 1249 on the timestamp <laughs> Shit, I should have done that. That would have been hilarious. Yeah, rumor has it, uh, Travis, that people are looking for basic instinct because they're young teenagers who are horny. Um, I I don't make any um, I don't I don't fool myself into thinking that the extra counts on that have anything to do other than with the fact that people assume it's the movie itself. <laughs> I don't think that suddenly they're uh, you know interested in us. So probably a lot of people are like, wait a minute. Squidgy white guys with beards. <laughs> Where the hell is this Michael is Douglas and Steamy for. back? This is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I was probably yeah. Steamy back. <laughs> That's a good point. That's, there's uh, some truth to that. Look, mm. check out Basic Instinct if you want or any episode. It's all there on a YouTube page or in our audio files. Five star review, Apple Podcasts. You know the drills. 2023. If you never reviewed the show, you're way overdue. Help us out. And you can email the show, cinnamonipod at gmail.com. It's time for our movie tidbit minutes. That's right. Me, Eric, and Travis, we share some recent movie news that has tickled our fancy, so to speak. Travis, what's uh, the latest word around the campfire? Um, I've got bad news. Which, oh. which I bet you guys are familiar. You probably heard because this was reported earlier today by Variety and many other outlets. Uh, actor Julian Sands... <laughs> who you may know from uh, Room with a View, Warlock. I recently watched him and oh. re rewatched him in Vibes with uh, Jeff Goldblum mm -hmm. and Cindy Lauper. Uh, yeah, he, he's missing in action. He's been missing for several days. He went hiking in uh, California, mm. I believe. Lawnmower uh, No, that's Jeff Fahey. I don't Julian Sands. That's Jeff Fahey. Pimp ah, in Las Vegas. Okay. Julian Sands, the pimp. Uh, arachnophobia. Yes, he was in Arachnophobia. Yes, yes, he was like the protagonist of yes. arachnophobia so he's been around Thank for you. a long time uh you probably you know recognize him if you don't know the name 
And he's unfortunately, he went hiking in the San Gabriel Mountains and just kind of, uh, it's been at, it's been at least three or four days, probably longer, that he's been missing, mm, which not is good. not not good. I watch a lot of promising. Northwoods Law, and yeah. after twenty four hours, it's not looking good. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, it's scary. So, ho- uh, hopefully, things work out well with him. It happens, mm. you know. There are a lot of uh, amazing tales of survival, and perhaps as an huh. actor, he maybe uh, has picked up some weird. Yeah. things here and there they always have to like, Dude, he played the warlock maybe he knows some sort of there. maybe he'll make a pact with satan and stay alive for a while yeah <laughs> maybe he'll get cindy lopper to come use her psychic abilities to save him i don't know uh, i hope so i hope so so best to julian sands absolutely okay yeah we wish him all the best out there it's not easy maybe uh 127 hours is in order for us you guys what do you think maybe I never saw it. I never never saw that one. So if you guys recommend it or choose it, it'll be a first-time viewing for me. I didn't really want to sit through a guy stuck between rocks for 127 hours. I mean, it's a hell of a It's not that long of a movie. It's not 127 hours. Oh, okay. That's... Wait a minute. False false advertising. This was only two hours long. I thought I had a whole weekend planned. (laughs) Say, what? Okay, that's fair. Uh, Eric, what's the latest movie news out there i'm like baldwin heads up man two charges of uh, involuntary oh. manslaughter it's not looking good six to six to 18 months in prison he's facing we got bad yeah. news tidbits today uh, okay. bad news. To are you kidding me he might go to a white collar resort for like a month but that's it You shall see. Even if he goes, Dude. does go to jail, he's famous enough that people would probably be like, "Oh, m- m- Mr. Baldwin, hello, 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 sir." Uh, <laughs> oh <laughs> like man, going to have a hard time. Yeah, I don't know. Probably. I don't he's know, man. Um, Nevada, Nevada is, is. I guess it's pretty tough. And uh, the judge that may be very well staring down Mr. Baldwin in court is uh, not happy with this case. So could be looking grim. But I don't know. I, th- I think they should slap him with a fine. Real- I, mean, I think they should fine him. And yeah, is that what you think? I, I, the guy's got like a he's got young young children. I mean, when I look at a case like this, I think what's you know, like what's the best thing to do here? Like destroy these children's lives. Like make sure they don't have a father, so this guy can do like six months in prison for you know not checking this prop firearm. Like what's the point? The guy is probably in living. I'm not super impressed by the way he's handled this publicly, but I'm sure he's wrought with guilt and it was an unfortunate accident. Why take somebody's father away for almost a year? I don't see the point. I mean, on the other Mm -hmm. hand, uh, I, I, you know, he's got, he's he's had a Mm -hmm. lot of kids, um, many kids from many, for many wives. So at what point would it be convenient to uh, incarcerate this man? being that he's always having children but even more so I, I, you know he's an actor again like i they don't necessarily i mean i don't know his life in and out obviously but it's not uncommon for them to disappear for three months six months for some shoot in bulgaria for a while so like for him to be missing That's a good point. for a, a chunk of their life i'm not saying it's you know justice must be served mm-hmm. where justice is due and no mm-hmm. one's above the law and if and if the cinematographer and um everybody else i think that's been mm-hmm. i think it was yeah. the cinematographer mm-hmm. right and producer that were um and, the, and of course the um what i don't know what they, they call it the oh, armory yeah, person um if the, I'm, assuming, <laughs> I'm assuming they're all getting you know if, mm-hmm. if they all got jail time then you know, there'd be no reason not to give it to him it's a tricky one man it's tricky 
Yeah, yeah uh, it is unfortunate. I think he, yeah, he feels terrible about it, and he did cut. There was cut corners cut on that project. Yeah, yeah. As a producer, he yeah. cut a lot of corners. Hired, hired like a completely inexperienced armorer that completely fucked up. People were loading the gun with real bullets and using it as a fucking toy. Like that's they should have shut mm-hmm, the whole mm-hmm. goddamn thing down mm-hmm. right then because obviously it was a, a, a yeah. Fiasco. I mean, there's got to be a consequence. Go. Just have the fucking dude who's yeah. totally loaded give a fucking million dollars to some charity that deals with accidental death or some bullshit like that. <laughs> some bullshit like some, that. So throw money at it throw, or some bullshit. Throw like money that. at it. Justice. Throw money at it. I mean. If he's, if he's charged okay. and convicted of a crime, I think that's justice because it's it's written that he was he was guilty, and that could be the conviction. And then th- throw some money uh, people's way. Throw money from the train. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, that I, one didn't no. land very well, did it? Yeah, no, that wasn't uh, good. Do you have tidbits for us? You know, uh, it's a tidbit for me, so I'm rolling with it. I, I was not aware that Jesse Eisenberg was sitting in the director's chair now, yeah. and he's got a directorial debut rolling out here called uh, Saving the mm. World. And okay. I'm interested. Finn Wolfhard and Julianne Moore. <laughs> it's basically like a a very, very simple project from what I gather. Uh, I like Jesse. I always have. Lex mm-hmm. Luthor aside, mm-hmm. we'll just forget mm-hmm. about that. Uh, it didn't happen. Long, long lineage of work. Yeah, never, never happened. Never heard of it. Next. So, yes, exactly. So uh, I'm excited to see this one. And you know, remember when uh, Jonah Hill did mid '90s? Did no. anyone see mid '90s? No, it looked so depressing. I, I didn't watch it. But doesn't it sound like something we would like? Like, oh, is this, is this like our times? Like mid '90s skateboarding? Dude, I you like that. I had it on like my playlist, you know what I mean? Like it would just like constantly come up like here it is, saved, waiting for you to watch it. I just like <laughs> years, like no, never in the mood. It seemed very I, know, I could be right? wrong, but it seemed very hey, I just work with Scorsese. Now I'm a filmmaker because he gave me some advice, <laughs> right? Right? This is a good movie? Oh. No. No. It doesn't look that good. Ooh. I will watch it, it someday. Some someday. Okay. Well, anyways, uh, I'm curious to see it. You know, not every d- actor who sits down in the director's chair. I mean, obviously, Alec Baldwin, we just talked about that. So I'm sure it wasn't that bad. We know the movie's in the can. Nothing will top that. I mean, that was, was terrible. Directing. But Who's producing? Oh. Oh. Okay. See, look at me making mistakes. That's what. Oh. Anyways, there you go. That's our movie tidbit minute brought to you by uh, whatever you want it to be brought to you by. It could be a uh, maybe a Bobolee. Uh, maybe you're in the mood for a pocket that is hot. Hot pockets? Or Goop. maybe you're thinking about a pot Goop. pie. Yeah. What's your favorite pot pie? Stouffer's or Mrs. What's-Her-Face? Ugh. Um, whichever one feel, makes me feel less shame. Uh, Marie <laughs> Callender? Yeah, Marie Callender. That's my that girl. One. There she is, yeah. They're yeah. better than Stouffer's. Sorry, That's Stouffer's. Right. Yeah. yeah. Our quarantine viewing picks, ladies and gentlemen. It's yeah. time yeah. to get familiar with what Travis Roy's been watching. What you been watching? Uh, I've been watching a fair amount of films. Uh, I actually watched a lot of stuff that I've already seen before. So I'll, I'll, kind, of, I'll kind of tick off some of that real quickly. Um, I watched both Daddy's Home movies because I love <laughs> them and they're fucking hilarious. Uh, again, I was kind of recovering from being sick last weekend. So like, I, I threw those on. I threw on F- Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Hadn't seen that in a long time. I did, I, I did both Deadpool movies. Uh, oh. I did Johnny Dangerously. I yeah. woke up at 4 a.m. 
thinking it thinking about uh otomo's steam boy that came out in 2004 that i hadn't seen since 2004 so i like woke up in the middle of the night like lying there for like hours and i'm like fuck it and i got up and just started watching steam boy um <laughs> which it will never be as good as akira but it's still very cool um uh, and uh and then of course i watched manchester by the sea uh as far as stuff i hadn't seen before I watched The Age of Innocence, speaking hmm. of Scorsese. Hmm. This is another one that just been on my list for so long. I mean, Scorsese yeah. and Daniel yeah. Day-Lewis, of course. And, and it's set in the 1870s yeah. in New York. I'm like, how have I not seen this before? Because it looks boring. Because well, it's based on an Edith Wharton <laughs> movie and, or Edith Wharton book. And yeah, it looks, it looks <laughs> fucking boring. And it was exactly what I was afraid it would be. Um, Edith Wharton, who I've never read, clearly an awesome author. The best parts of the movie literally were the fucking narration. Hmm. Uh, oh. I did really like the end, but it was a long time getting there. Okay. Um, yeah, but you know, now I finally got that one off the old <laughs> list. Uh, the old man. Everyone said not to watch the new Neil Labute uh, vampire film House of Darkness because it was cliched, hmm. and it was. The weird thing about it, though, is that Justin Long is in it, oh, and yeah. the 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 themes. Like the misogynistic kind of like themes and the exploration of that and his character are so and, and then the stuff that the character goes through are so similar to what happens in Barbarian that they mm-hmm. both be in the same year. I was like, I'm like, Justin, are you were you having deja vu? What the fuck is this? <laughs> like, did you just get off of one set and walk to the other one? Because it's the same goddamn oh, no. character. It was I'm weird. confused. Neil Labute yep. taking on misogyny. This is a this is something different. For me. <laughs> it was very wordy. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> was a lot of dialogue. A lot of people sitting there talking, and the, the guy was a mm. dick. Wow. Amazingly. <laughs> but get out of here. No one buys that. It was like every vampire anything I've Yikes. ever anything. Um, every vampire. But it was a comedy because I saw it. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? And I saw a horror comedy. I'm like, I'm out. Uh, I did not. I didn't. I didn't see horror really? comedy listed, and if I had, I would have been really? looking for the comedy because it never okay. arrived. There was there, there was not there was not comedy. At Where's all. my comedy? Not in this movie. Uh, Where's I my dick? Say, um, the the two best things I watched, uh, you know, that was new to me. I checked out Brian and Charles, a new mockumentary from distributed by Focus Features. Uh, a little predictable, but. Uh, extremely quirky and charming and silly and existential and sweet and wholesome. It's a PG movie about a guy that builds his own AI robot to be his friend. And it's literally a dude with a box on his head and like a plastic head on the box pretending that he's a fucking robot, like shimmying around. You can just see his fucking legs. It's bizarre, but it was a good movie. And then, of course, I have to give it up to the 2000, the first film I've watched from 2023, the short horror film called Serenade, mm. uh, available mm, on okay. YouTube. Okay. Uh, fascinating feature that I suggest everyone check out. And these are the movies I watched. I watched. Wow. Yay! Okay. What about you, Mr. Brain it might be Trump? a short show because I didn't watch jack shit, dude. I watched like three episodes of Columbo. Sorry, no Fast and Furious, Robbie. No. Yeah, no, 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 too fast, too furious. I, I went with Tokyo Drift instead. Um, yeah, I watched The Hustler again, nineteen sixty-one. Robert Rawson, cl- total classic. Um, yeah, so good. 
And then I watched uh, The Barefoot Contessa from 1954 with Humphrey Bogart and Ava Gardner. I turned it on, and I, the thing is, I, I, I've, I've never liked Humphrey Bogart. I don't like him in any movies. I don't care about Casablanca. Oh. I don't give a fuck about the Maltese Falcon, totally Treasure of Sierra Madre. I'm like, whatever on. I love it. I never cared for him. him so and then I watched this, and I'm like, shit, I finally get it. I loved him in it. I loved the movie. Uh, him and Ava Gardner, who I have never seen in a movie. I've always heard this name, Ava Gardner. You know, the Sinatra yeah. impression. Ava Gardner, I, I banged that broad or whatever. Uh, but I've never seen a film he was in. Next. Yeah, next. Um, she's fantastic <laughs> in the film. It's about this uh, uh, the young woman who aspires to be an actress. And Humphrey Bogart plays this writer and director. And he takes her on and moves her out to Hollywood and fucks her life up. Uh, Joseph Mankiewicz, who did All About Eve, made the film. And it's fantastic. Ava Gardner, one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen in my entire life on screen, <laughs> married to Mickey Rooney. And I'm sitting here looking at my phone on Wikipedia. I'm like, <laughs> are you fucking kidding me? How? Then I look up Mickey Rooney. Dude's been married like nine times. And I'm, so I'm going through all mm -hmm. of his wives. They're bombshells. I'm like, what, what the fuck is going on here? Have you seen Mickey Rooney? I, I have. I can assume he's got great wealth and a healthy endowment. Okay. All right. Could be it. Could be it. Um, yeah, I love the film. Uh, he is finally dead, right? <laughs> Dang. We're not still living in the same plane, finally. are we? He did, he did, he did pass. Uh, yeah. Okay. Whew. Be terrifying if he was still alive. How weird would that be? <laughs> be very odd. He did speak at Brighton High School. I remember like a few weeks before he died, I saw that no. he did an engagement at Brighton High School where he tells what? old stories about the golden age of Hollywood. I almost went. Been, I didn't. That would have been awesome. Yeah, that I definitely would have gone. gone. Oh, you should have gone. Yeah. Huh. Hmm. That's about yeah. it. That's about all it. right. So that's yeah. all you watched? That's it, man. That'll... All right. These are the Daves I know. Mike, did you watch These... movies? You know, uh, I'm stuck on Family Guy right now. I just can't stop. Okay. I'm just pounding Family Guy, trying to catch up to the modern minute that they're on, the current episode that they're on. I'm still not caught up, but I'm grinding. So, yeah, I just I thought about switching off to a couple movies. I thought about absolutely wanting to watch The Bear. It's on. It's on top of my list. I want to watch, I watch it for sure. Fantastic. So, Great. Oh, it's gonna. I'm gonna, I'm gonna love it. I know it. I want to watch that in the menu. Those mm -hmm. are the two things I'm ready to click on for sure. But uh, yeah, for now I'm stuck on Family Guy. And I just can't get out yeah. of it. I'm yeah. in the vortex. How many episodes of Family Guy do you think you watched in the past week? In the past two weeks, probably. Uh, shit, 20, 40, 60, 73. <laughs> and yet you had to like cram Manchester in the sea, by the sea and directly before. In fact, in fact, we had to push the podcast back so you could finish watching the movie. <laughs> That's not true, actually. I, I completed the movie in plenty of time. I actually oh, okay. I just had a couple of bullshit things to do. Oh. So just to be technical, oh, but you're fine, right. I, fine, fine. I I did hold the movie until today. Yeah. But I also was trying to be prudent because I didn't mm. want to pay for it. And I knew if I could just wait it out, get to this spot oh. I'm at now, I knew that. It was uh, on Amazon Prime here at the house know, that you're at. Yeah. Mama got it. Yeah, it's free. So <laughs> right. I waited it out. Yeah. Right, Jet skis. Save so, that money. But yeah, I'd like to watch a movie again soon. I really would. So uh, I will try to do that for next week's show. But in the meantime, 
This is the Sam and I podcast, and we're going to dive in. We're ready to rock. It's time. It's We yeah. can't hold back any longer, guys. It is time to take ourselves back to the year 2016. Let's Donald get, Trump was voted president. Let's get funereal. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I will say right off the bat, I mean, this is a very serious film, <laughs> but we cracked a lot of jokes on the text thread. They're pretty funny. I, I thought they were funny, Eric. You're... What was the first one? A funeral arrangements? Funeral arrangements, the movie. The movie? That that one made me laugh particularly hard. And also you sent uh, picking up and dropping off my asshole nephew. <laughs> the movie. Yeah. <laughs> the one I got to kick out of that one, too. <laughs> Oh, those are great. Uh, for those of you that don't know us, we like to say, you know, sum things up the movie with the yeah. most simplistic titles ever. I went with Jeep Cherokee the movie. That was my selection. So uh, yeah. just maybe think about We had a Jeep Cherokee in the mm. 90s. It took me back. I was like, oh, yeah. Okay. I know that thing. DiBiase rolled around in the, it was a red Jeep Cherokee. He loved that car. So. All right. They were really big. Not actual Ted DiBiase. No. Uh, he was, every time. Look like he was a. He was a doppelganger. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. So, this movie stars Casey Affleck. Uh, can we do this right off the bat? Uh, is Casey Affleck canceled? Is he a bad guy? Because I really got confused for a while, and I, I kind of spaced out over the last couple of years. I, I really don't know anymore. <laughs> I did the research. Um, yeah, he, he paid off a couple of settlements for sexual harassment and uh, sexual assault. Paid off. He has apologized. He's not denying it. Uh, that happened. That was in 20... During the filming of I'm Not There, uh, just that whole production was just a fucking free-for-all, oh, bozo, God. scummy, slimy nightmare. And this yeah. is an event. Sounds like there was drugs there. involved. Yeah, yeah, probably a lot of like oh, yeah. method bullshit So that he tried, maybe tried to hide behind. But yeah, he's in... I don't, I, I'm thinking That's I haven't exactly really seen I him. Thinking, I don't know if he's canceled, but like, when's the last time we saw this guy? Oh. I think probably when he accepted his Academy Award for yeah. this movie. He, uh, he is kind of... <laughs> Kind of wisely, Stepped I think, away a little bit. kept a kept a mm. low profile for a while. Mm. I, I think that was the right move. I imagine he'll come. I mean, he's got powerful friends. Uh, you know, he's got. You know, this movie was supposed to be for Matt Damon. Matt Damon got him this role. You know, he came up with Joaquin Phoenix, and uh, they have. You know, there's a lot of people that, that would look out for him. So he's going to come back with a roar. Uh, I imagine probably soon. Mm. Yeah, that's that's fair. I was thinking of the Jim and Andy documentary when oh, you said geez. that, Eric. He probably was just like, you know how yeah, big yeah, of an yeah. asshole Jim Carrey yeah. was right. on set for the Andy Kaufman movie, Man on the Moon, mm -hmm. and all in the name of trying to be the most Kaufman he could be and staying in character the whole time. And I bet I could see Casey mm -hmm. Affleck doing that, uh, the way he acts and the, how he does his work. And it doesn't no, excuse anything. No. It just reminded me of that. It just mm -hmm. reminded me of that. Okay, so there, we, we covered that. It was on my mind, and I actually got updated thanks to Eric. Thank you for the update. Travis, let's get into it. Can you yeah. remember your first viewing of this fine film? Oh, yeah. I sat on my couch, <laughs> and I turned on Amazon Prime Video, and I watched that movie because it was what the, everyone was talking about. Wow. Uh, you know, it's Academy Awards season, so I naturally checked it out, and then I didn't watch it again until last night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the uh the more recent in time we go with these films they're not as uh memorable or it's like oh i was at the theater and there was just, we all, all my friends and oh, i shit. no 
No, I, I heard about the movie. I turned on my television and went to Amazon <laughs> Prime. <laughs> it's true. Uh, this was an Amazon yeah, feature, yeah, yeah. not just on Amazon. This yeah, was an Amazon was one film, of the first so, kind of big yeah. forays for that juggernaut in like the Oscar caliber game changers. Yeah, this and Roma seemed like they mm-hmm. definitely had a you know they helped really kick the door open for things like mm-hmm. Coda and uh, the Irishman mm-hmm. and stuff that's been more celebrated since. Yeah, I went to the theater. I went to a little art house theater in Chicago to to see it when I was catching up oh. on all my Oscar shit in 2016. I'll never forget this viewing for as long as I live, man. Because I go in there, it's a packed house. Everybody, everybody's <laughs> got their big tub of buttered popcorn and pop and candy. And let's have a good time, we're, man. We're all sitting around in deafening somber silence. And I, I swear to God, the woman behind me, during the scene where Lee's, spoiler alert, kids are burning alive, and she's going <laughs> with her popcorn <laughs> and eating it. Oh, my God. Not taking a break, not uh, setting it down to be like, maybe this isn't the right time. She's literally like. <laughs> wow. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm never going to a movie theater again for as long as I live. But it didn't last. <laughs> The most devastating scene in the movie. Crinkle, crinkle. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. That's a great story. See? Wow. We went from Travis on the couch to you. People uh, are so fucking weird, man. Clearly a superior storyteller and a more committed movie watcher, too. You you have Amazon Prime. You could have stayed at home Mm -hmm. that day. But no. You're like, I'm going to the theater to sit with strangers and listen to them. Disrespect, <laughs> Kenneth Lonergan. <Lundgren. laughs> uh, I, I think I'd rather be you, Travis. Sit on the couch. Oh, yeah, yeah I, choice, me too. But... I like me. I like you too. I, I like watched this too. film. The uh, I went and saw it in the theater by myself. Mm. And good God in heaven, mm. man, what an experience it was! I, I shout out to Mike Muldoon, mm-hmm. uh, an old high school type slash. Not our high school pal, but he was affiliated in the area with the White Lake slash Highland crew from the Bear vs. Shark crew of our high school friends. And uh, he was in town. I remember in Ann Arbor. I was living in Ann Arbor at the time. And he's like, oh, you want to go see Manchester by the Sea? I was like, yeah, let's go see it together. We really, Mike's a big movie buff. Uh, Sometimes he listens to our show. In fact, he's the one who recommended me the most uh, maybe innocuous film I'd ever seen, the uh, Discreet Charms of the Bourgeoisie. <laughs> sure. uh, yeah, I remember you talking mm-hmm. about your experience with that one. Yeah. Classic so film. He, clearly, I, yeah, I was. Mike's got a, a detailed film history. And anyways, we're supposed to see it together. We did not, so I went solo. And I remember uh, it was a difficult time in my life when I saw that film. And it really hit me quite quite hard, I would say. Uh, maybe you don't even have to be in a difficult time in your life. It could just hit you hard regardless. But uh, we'll find out. Later on, as we move forward here, Manchester by the Sea Talk, right on Cinema 9 Live. Um, the rating for this has to be probably pretty good because it was Academy Award winning actor, right, Trev? I mean, yeah, and it, and it was one that everyone had access to, and it seemed to get um, a lot of accolades, mm-hmm. I would guess. I'm going to guess high. I'm not going to get into the eights, but I'll say, uh, I'll say seven. Yeah, five. yeah, I, I'm going to mirror that. I'm as I think it's, but I think the people who have seen it, they're like, "Whoa, that was intense." I think it is in the eight. I think it's like an eight point one. I do. Right. I'm gonna go with an eight point one. Am I crazy? Yeah. Actual, so, I am no. crazy. What is it? Mm-hmm. We'll see. I don't know. Seven. I said seven point oh, five. Seven point eight is the answer. Oh, the, okay. Right between us. All right. By the way, seven point eight with 
almost 300,000 ratings. So it wasn't... That is a I lot. know it was... Like you said, it was easily accessed, but it was, yeah. it's also a... It's a very indie low... Mm-hmm. It's like a play. Mm-hmm. Really, it was like a play for him. So it was not like a big budget movie at all. So a lot of people were fed this. And that shows you that you can... This is a quick side note that just popped in my head that you can show films that aren't just superhero movies to the masses and they will respond to it. Just saying. Absolutely. On the other hand, this is this is the I think the real power of the Academy Awards isn't the winning the Academy Award, it's the being in contention for the Academy Award. Because <laughs> I think that a lot of people watch this movie because of the buzz around it. Because mm-hmm. it was released at a strategic time and it was in the, you know the top five whatever movies that people were in conversation about being like this is this is the movie this is the one of the year this is the one we're all in agreement about that we're excited about it's the buzz the buzz oh. the buzz and the chicks right. <laughs> this year this year it's tar that year it was Manchester i, re- I really Tennessee. do have to mention uh the day i saw this or like right before i went to the this art house theater i just i just uh go to two different theaters to catch up i watched la la land in like the big theater with like the big crowd and mm-hmm. i loved the movie so uh-huh. much i walked out like fucking so energized so to go into this right after that i gotta say <laughs> i remember like being wow. fucking like bored disappointed the entire time and i shuffled out of the theater and so did the uh, people i was with we were like oh, oh god what a downer it's just such a downer wasn't wait didn't waves, <laughs> didn't waves come this out was that uh, moonlight La La Land. Waves was 2019 or 2019 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay yeah all right. La, uh, la, 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 la. On Rotten Tomatoes, oh, we always like share that. the. That's what I was thinking of. It's 2016. Ooh, right? Good call. Well thought of. Fine film. Manchester by the Sea on Rotten Tomatoes, 96% for the critics, of course. It's 78, a 7.8, just like IMDb, right on schedule. Mm. Uh, right. From the, cr- the crew, the world, mm. the audience <laughs> with their. The dude. Actually, the, no, the woman with her buttered popcorn, of course, next to you, Eric. That's her, <laughs> oh, that God, butter. That, that bucket of popcorn. <laughs> He's entertained. Hey, I'll tell you what. You know, I know it's all fake, but I've enjoyed some movie popcorn in my days. With a lot of fake butter. A lot of fake butter. Let's see what the critical responses were. Uh, you know, this is a modern film, so we're not going to get Ebes. He's gone. No oh, Ebes. Power. Yeah, no Ebes. Dustin Thompson. We might get Bill, Coody, Bill Goody Coons. Old Bill. I feel good about that. I am. Let's try Jorge Ignacio Castillo from the Canadian crew. The writer-director doesn't avoid the legwork and turns... He couldn't say his name. And turns those minor indignities of everyday life into representations of inner turmoil? (sighs) I feel like there's more than minor indignities of everyday life going on here that relates to the inner turmoil, but that's just me. But I see what he's saying, I suppose. I also feel like that's just kind of like what film does. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Yeah, It's supposed to be representative. Oh. We might not read any of his uh, again. We gave you a shot. Sorry, Castillo. You blew it. Uh, Oh, here's a fun name. Abby Bender. Abby Bender from Brooklyn Magazine. Kenneth Lonergan's Manchester by the Sea is a poignant, evocative portrait of grief. Dessa Thompson-esque. Very short. (laughs) Short, but not cutting. Yeah. Right. That's not getting to... There's no meat there. But yeah, she's right. Evocative. What's she say? Evocative? Sure, it's evocative. Yeah. Uh, Kay Austin Collins of The Ringer said, In Manchester by the Sea, Kenneth Lornigan again... Ex- I regret reading this. This is so dumb. In Manchester <laughs> by the Sea, Kenneth Lornigan again explores the depth of grief. Okay. This is not a review. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man! Come on! I gave you a chance, Collins! You screwed me! 
Is there, Damn it. Is there any grief in this movie? <laughs> um, <laughs> I miss our old school critics, man. These new school critics aren't as fun. Michael, I'm not, sitting uh, here on Rotten Tomatoes just to make sure this wasn't a daydream earlier, and I actually read this. Amy Nicholson is a top critic for MTV. Okay, listen to this. Okay. I'm looking at this blurb right now. This is not a joke. <clears throat> the tomato's fresh, and it says, there's a funny sequence when Lonergan's surprise reveals that Lee fathered one, then two, then three children who tumble out from the corners of the screen like squashed clowns. What the fuck? Dude. This is baffling. That's baffling, I mean, man. It's there. You know, sometimes people need an editor. <laughs> 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 hey guys shout out to editors all over the world we Fuck need yeah. you people more than ever absolutely honestly well said well said travis jesus okay that was weird uh yeah. all right i'm trying to see He's if there's you know, maybe bored? dustin came out of the woodwork ah i know i mean uh philip de of empire magazine masterfully told and beautifully acted manchester by the sea is a shattering yet graceful elegy of loss and grief Okay, the word grief did factor in yet again, but uh, that at least is a review. Thank <laughs> okay, you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Lonergan right points that. his cameras at, at his actors. They deliver lines. <laughs> <laughs> the actors oh, speak English and have eyeballs. <laughs> what, yeah. what do we got? Leonard Malton. We never hear from Leonard Malton on this Why? show. It's it's little... Another one. Is he alive still? Yeah. <laughs> I guess. I think he is. Yeah. Wow. Lenny. Lenny said, Lenny. This, is with, <laughs> this is without question my favorite film of the year. Period. Now, this is the same Leonard Malton who famously gave The Usual Suspects a turkey. Zero stars in 1995. I've never taken well, the man seriously. You can't. Um, he's uh, always seemed to me like he's trying to like, uh, you know, it, it, he's going to oversell the things he likes mm -hmm. and just like uh, just insult the things that that didn't blow him away. <laughs> I mean, he was yeah, right about Brian like Singer, at least, you know, maybe. Well, sure. The movie maybe is still good. It's, he was a little harsh on the film, but uh, I'll, I'll give him that. Uh, how about this? Is a good one from Ty Burr. This is local to Boston Globe because <laughs> this movie is set in the Boston area. Ty Burr said that the sadness of Manchester by the Sea is the kind of sadness that makes you feel more alive rather than less to the preciousness of things. I like that. That's yeah. a solid review. Yes. I like that. No, I think that that's, that gets to um, what the movie, I think, is about in some ways and like you know the, the cliche is always uh, in the midst of life we are in death mm. but when we are in death we're also in life too it, it can serve to remind us of our mortality and it can um you know weirdly bring things sharply into focus uh and bring people closer so i mean that that to me is kind of what the movie is uh, about in some ways so i'm glad that someone else picked up on that I guess. Thanks, Ty Burr. Yeah, good old Ty Burr. That name seems so uh, familiar. Is that not like a guy that hosted yeah. a fucking uh, mm -hmm. reality TV show or something? Yeah, I know. You're, yeah, I'm thinking of the guy, the the home makeover yeah. guy. Yeah, that douchebag. That dude. Uh, I sat behind him at a Tom Waits show once. It was super surreal. It also kind of sounds like Ty Burrell. Is that the guy from Modern Family? And that's that's that was the other thing. I'm like, isn't that that guy <laughs> from Dawn of the Dead? <laughs> 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 We're on the same page. Yeah. Uh, hey, oh, I was gonna move on, but we got Bill Goody Coons here, so we oh, gotta Bill. get Goody Coons. Oh, Billy! On November twenty third, twenty sixteen, Bill said the following: Everyone has to say the title, by the way. Manchester by the Sea <laughs> is a masterpiece in a minor key, an exploration of grief that never 
lets its characters or its audience off the hook. Five out of five. See, now, Bill Goody Coons, we originally latched on to because he's got a funny name. <laughs> but he does also have consistently some pretty good reviews. That's a good review. Yeah, yeah. Use the word grief again, but that's that's pretty good. <laughs> you're, that is why we... Yeah. You're right. That's exactly why we latched on to him. <laughs> he's, he's, he's bearing out, though, mm-hmm. to be to be worth it. Yeah, you know what? Uh, All respect to Bill Goody Koontz. You know, we came with the worst intentions, but we're glad we stuck around. (laughs) I'd say that. So, uh, I hear this movie's about grief. Uh, But did that other guy just say it was about life? Well, is there not grief in life? I I breeze past that review too, man. Um, The... So many movies show you representations of grief or are just generally sad, but I'm watching this one and like, I, I feel alive. I'm not glad to be alive. I mean, I feel alive. Like I'm feeling emotions stronger. I'm more sensitive to things around me. My brain is going, I'm thinking about my own life. Like that's very, very hard to do uh, as a filmmaker to invest you that much. Yeah, that's a great point. I was thinking about how I love this movie for the fact that it doesn't just, hey, the guy gets better. Hey, eventually he gets better. He can't beat it. He can't beat it. And there's so many opportunities where it looks like, oh, I think maybe he's finally going to, like when he sells the guns for the motor, like, oh, this could be the time where he's going to turn the corner and there's going to be hand holding. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen we go on to see the sign the papers over for adoption and he'll be around but he just can't hang around there it's too much it's way too much you know what it made me think of is uh an adaptation when the you know nick cage playing charlie kaufman is talking about how he wants to write a movie where like the, the characters don't learn anything and no one really changes and nothing gets resolved and i'm like and they fucking did it lonergan fucking did it uh, or the other, uh, maybe he's not the screenwriter. Is he the screen? He is the screenwriter. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's and that's pretty much what happens here. The the, the we do not get the resolution mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. a movie like this ordinarily would uh, hand feed its audience. Um, I also think though that it it also shows the way that I was actually going to say this for my final thoughts, but since we're into it, um, it, it shows the way that healing over trauma for, or is in as much as one, one can, um, that that kind of emotional healing is so incremental that it can be hard to perceive or acknowledge because he does, he has grown even just from the beginning of the, of the mm-hmm. film. Um, to me, one of the main things that stuck out to me on this viewing are these repeated clumsy attempts to try and hug someone especially his nephew mm-hmm, patrick mm-hmm. like especially like when he's when he's dropped him off at his mom's house gretchen ball's mm-hmm. house hey, there's like this weird like book ending hug squeeze right. thing like he's it's just repeatedly awkward and awful until finally you know the last hug and it's a real fucking hug um and you know he wants to have a, a house with a room mm-hmm. where he can come and visit and that kind of stuff so there is that growth it's just not the growth that uh, his nephew needs or you know or, or what his brother had hoped that he could accomplish that he could summon up but it is still growth so it's like on one hand people are who they are and they're not going to change i mean the dude is the same person who he was before he accidentally led you know his actions mm-hmm. led to the death mm-hmm. of his children um but there is like this incremental change which is cool to see take place on film 
Lonergan talked in some interviews about <clears throat> the importance of showing people in films that are just like Lee unable to get through some of these things. Uh, you know, a truly great movie is going to try and as much as possible to replicate our real life if it's not an escapist film. But you got to think about so many of these movies that deal with this grief and they have these resolutions or they try to get away with some ambiguity at the end by seeming arty. This one has that kind of small resolution, uh, but but it also is has the balls enough to say that a, a lot of people, this they're, they're, they're not going to get through this. Like I'm watching this and it's it, it enveloped me profoundly and this is like classic like new dad talk but like i'm thinking to myself if my heaven forbid i lose my uh child i don't want to live anymore but if i somehow cause the death of my child i i cannot live i need to be dead right now and oh my god that scene just destroyed me i had to fucking turn the tv off for like an hour i couldn't even think straight wow also, Kenneth Lonergan has a cameo in this film. He calls out bad parenting. You asshole! Nice parenting, dick! I was so yeah. trying to figure out why there's this, like, another shot of the dude walking away from that. the side. I'm like, no, why would they include this That's shot me. of this dude? That's me! <laughs> I'm hey, important, guys! guys. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm doing this thing. I'm making this happen. Oh, that's uh, a, he's a, it wasn't a good artistic call. It was bizarre. I noticed that shot. Yeah, they had to really set it up, up light it, get the yeah. sound ready just for him to be like, you dick! Again, utterly unmotivated. It was just him walking away in, in profile. I'm like, weird. yeah, un totally unmotivated. And to learn that that's him, all that now I understand the motivation of that shot because I made a note of it in my notes. Like, well, why the fuck would they? What? So did I. I said, I'm like, what the fuck? Why is this happening? What's... And now we all understand that it means nothing except for the fact that he, you know, wrote and directed this. Yeah, it's a Hitchcock moment. Uh, but right. you know, I'll say that uh, Patrick actually has a. <laughs> this is how crass, I oh, suppose, man. or heartless. Patrick's got a pretty damn good life. I know his dad died, but uh, man, I mean, he's got girlfriends. He gets to have yeah. beautiful relations with, and he has his... Hey, Travis, I, you guys, all three of us, we've all been in bands. What'd you guys think of the band? I mean, <laughs> uh, getting pissed at the drummer was not cool. I, I thought it was a little unfair that the drummer was taking so much heat. They were, they, And I think we were supposed to think that as viewers. I, you know what I mean? I got the feeling that we were supposed to kind of sympathize with Otto in those sequences and be like, <laughs> oh, he's kind of like venting on the drummer who they all kind of suck. Don't, yeah. don't. Yeah, yeah. you're all came off in time. early. Yeah, don't fall on him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it took me back though, man. I mean, it was so, I'm like, it was a little more subdued than some of the times I remember seeing uh, friends of ours, you guys playing or et cetera, in practice sessions like that. It was usually more raucous, but it was fun. You, it was like, oh, I remember those days. Do you think that it painted a good picture of like the, the grief that like a somebody in their youth could have over the death of a parent because there wasn't a big change in Patrick? I mean, like watching the movie, I'm like, man, he's ready to fuck the night his father died. Yeah. Like he literally is like arranging yeah. to make yeah. sure that his girlfriend can come over so he can get laid. And who knows if if she really did spend the night before. Like we, right. we really have no way of knowing if 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 uh What's what's the brother's name? Joe. Hmm? Uh, if yeah. if he was if he was cool with that. Uh, so yeah, I, but I also found that kind of weirdly realistic. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, I that, totally that, thought it was yeah, realistic that a kid sixteen years old would be kind of benumbed and um, you know it's not sunk in. It's drawn out though. I mean, he, this was a this was coming too. It wasn't a surprise at all. So yeah. I think that matters a little bit because it was. I'm sure the yeah, way yeah. that Joe is. 
the way he's portrayed by Kyle Chandler, who does mm-hmm. a great yeah. job in yeah. this movie and his limited uh, mm-hmm. screen time. Yeah, a little underutilized. He, yeah, mm-hmm. but in a way, it leaves you like, oh, wow, I want more of him on screen, which, yeah. you know, that could be... That is a... To me, it resonates as a, oh, that's a, that's a solid performance. And it's good writing. I like that he's interspersed enough. I guess you're right. Maybe I would like to see a couple more scenes between him and Lee kind of talking about just... Because they kind of jump, you know how bad it is. You know, what yeah. happens with his kids in the fire. And right. you see the, like you said, the f- police station moment, he tries to kill himself with a gun. And then we really get like, okay, now I'm packing up and leaving. I'm not going to say bye to Patrick, really, bye. And then yeah. we jump to where he's forced to go furniture shopping. I'm going to buy you a couch, motherfucker. <laughs> it's going to cool. happen. <laughs> that was the, that you was get the, your ass in the car. I thought that was the best scene with the brother because I'm like, oh, there's a lot going on where all the other characters are kind of presenting him like he's this great guy. We don't really see him being a great guy in the movie that much, honestly. You, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He just got, his reputation seems to be the great part. But you do see it there uh, where he won't let his brother not have a home mm-hmm. of some kind, uh, which right. I thought was cool. Or he says he'll call the cops when he yeah he's you're gonna be at that motel I'm gonna call the police if you're not there when I call he's yeah. you see that from him in those brief scenes which are limited but I also uh, couldn't help but be yeah. like I no way can I imagine him as Matt Damon's older brother I'd like if Matt Damon had oh, it in role they would have utterly had to recast that which would have been a shame I just can't see Matt Damon in this role I see him telegraphing every one of these emotions being super obvious well. Okay, yeah, I see what you're saying there. I, I, I think he could also pull this off. It might have been a slightly different, but I think he could have done it. Having said that, he got the Oscar. Casey Affleck won the Oscar for this role. Is it worthy of the Oscar? Who uh, who was he against that year? Did we do we have anyone have that up in front yeah, of him? I don't I, remember, I man. Oh. Yeah, I, oh, I can't it was make a great that, year, man. I can't make that without uh, Mahershala, right? Ali well, for he was Moonlight. Supporting- Yes, well, I was supporting. I was supporting. That was Ryan Gosling and La La Land and yeah, all that trash. Yeah. Mm, I can't remember who. No, else. it wasn't Gosling. That was the year before. So, anyways, actor to leading role: Casey Affleck, Andrew Garfield. Oh, it was Gosling. I'm wrong. Viggo Mortensen, Captain Fantastic, which I love, and mm. Denzel Washington for Fences, another play. <laughs> that was a movie. Mm. Yeah, I gotta, mm. uh, Garfield was amazing in Hacksaw Ridge. I will say he was incredible in that film. But I, I, I don't really have a beef otherwise. But- you guys are joking, right? You're on the joking. fence about this? No pun intended? I, I I could not believe how incredible he was in this. I I, I could not believe it. I, I, I loved him in it. I would have give, engraved his name on the Oscar immediately after uh, after uh, seeing this. Um, it, Apparently, that can take like months or years for them to get around to doing that. Um, well, I haven't I haven't seen Hacksaw Ridge and I haven't seen uh, Fences, so that's why I'm a little loath to to make uh, a claim one way or the other. But uh, I do think that uh, I cannot imagine almost. There's very few actors I think that could pull off the understated dead insideness that he's playing here that w- that could sustain it. I think that mm-hmm. most actors eventually their ego would kind of uh, override that and they would want to be big. They would want to go big. And, uh, and he stays small the whole time, which had to have been hard. You're dead, Carl. <laughs> so, so much of the movie is like, it'd be very easy just to play this, like be sad all the time, but that's not what he's doing. Like he's, he's playing each moment, like in with intent on, you know, what that beat should be like, um, 
so be supportive when you don't really want to be supportive and, or it's difficult to be supportive. Um, bite your tongue because people already think you're an asshole and you don't want them to think you're a bigger asshole. Like all these things he has to just keep up entirely just because of his history and all this. It's It'd be very easy just to like mope around the entire film. Let me be clear. Some moping. I, yeah, a lot of moping. <laughs> a, lot of, uh, a lot of moping, a lot of brooding. I think that the role is a complicated role, and it was masterfully done by Casey Affleck. Masterfully done. I, he's absolutely worthy of winning. I'm just saying, if there was any contender of those five, to me it was Garfield. He'd be second. But I'm 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 all for Casey Affleck's performance. It's incredibly difficult to watch at times. Other times he cracks these slide jokes. And the best part is, you know, you get this a lot in movies. We see like the before and afters. We see the jumping in time. We've mm-hmm. talked about this a lot lately. And he nails it with this movie. The way he is the dickhead. He, like when he's playing ping pong, I got oh, a lot man. of feast fives, by the way. But uh, all those assholes. Yeah. But not, we don't all gather around to watch Remlins. ping pong like that anymore. But <laughs> Remlins yeah, in his house. I, I, like he's... He's such a dick and he's so shit faced and it's so believable that uh, he loves his life in a way, but he's obviously a drunk too. And he's got problems. He, he loves his wife and he cares about his family, but he's, he's disconnected. And he portrays that so clearly to me as a guy who doesn't know how grateful he should be for what he's got until it radically alters. And then of course, what we get on the other side, he masterfully portrays the dead inside, but yeah. really don't want to bother you, but don't piss me off. Cause I will bite your head mm. off. And as far as the writing goes, I found it really uh, a cool, not cool, what the word, let me find a better word. Uh, cool. It was cool. No, it was just, uh, it, it's real. It's It was interesting to me how he he has a drinking problem, but he has un- he has complete unawareness of this, right? Like mm-hmm. he may not be uh, alcohol dependent, like an alcoholic, but he does not use alcohol in a way that is healthy or okay. Like only had one point four seven five eight three beers to per hour today. <laughs> right. So what's you know that's a lie. Um, <laughs> And and the, I mean before before you know he 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 lo- his his he loses his kids and the, the, he keeps drinking afterwards and then when he fucking you know he, his, because he's hung over he falls asleep on the couch and almost starts a second fucking fire um, and and more so even than those two things it's the fact that he uses alcohol as a way to go out in public and try and get someone to beat the shit out of him so all of that is completely unhealthy. And yet he's like repeatedly bringing up how uh, Patrick's mother is an alcoholic. Now she's an alcoholic. She's mm. got these issues. Blah 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 blah. So yeah. so mm. dead on realistic. Well, he starts that that mini smoke alarm fire thing that happens. That's when he's given up. But he was. It's so important, I think, to identify the scene where he stumbles into Michelle Williams and her friend strolling the baby. It is. That exchange, the sequence that follows, it's one of the most powerful scenes in a film that I've seen in years, in in this century even, I would say. It's just so, so many things at once. It's so sad, but they want to, like, he's not pissed either. He's like, no, 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 you're right to say this. And and she's trying to express it. She feels bad now that she was mean to him, even though he killed the three kids with the fire and... There's so much in there without a lot of like blatant, I'm yelling mm-hmm. and look at me acting to win mm-hmm. an award here. It is, it's a masterstroke sequence of, I can't express properly what I want to express, but I feel for you. I, I want to help. I can't help. We, we can't fix this. It's, it's incredible. 
Wow. Yeah, uh, it'd be so easy for both Michelle Williams' character to like slap him in the face and be like, hey, fuck you still, Oscar bait bullshit, or Casey Affleck to have this grandiose speech, which a lot of other actors probably would have forced it, them to rewrite so they could put that in there for them. But Lee has nothing to say. He deserves everything. The man wants to be dead, but he, he's not inclined to yeah. do it himself. So it's incredible. Like. Oh, by the way, is that true though? Like, just because his brother like was like, you cannot kill yourself, because it seems very clearly like he really wanted to kill himself. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but I think that like it's you know, it's not an easy thing to do. Mm -hmm. um, I'm sure he's staying alive for his brother in part because he knows that his brother is going to die, and he wants to maybe also be there for Patrick, to, um, you know, to some degree, and also just the you know the routine of living. Again, like he's alcohol dependent, we see him like drinking himself into a stupor watching TV mm -hmm. at the end of the night. So that that's that's he is dead in a way, and you know, in a, in a yeah. way. Yeah, that's the only little beef I have. There's like it seems like he was, I mean, clearly very suicidal after it happened, and he was ready to die. And the fact that his brother forced him to live, it basically seems that way from the minimal screen time we get to understand that connection between the two of them in the moment in the time after the fire happens. I. It's not a big deal, but I, I was like, I think this guy really wanted to end his life, and he's he's miserable as fuck. And I know it's not an easy thing to do. I, I get that. I, it just seems like maybe he would have done it. Uh, I, I would like to wonder. They didn't really flesh that out more. I would have liked to have had a little bit more about that. Not force-fed to me, just I don't know. But maybe yeah. we can't get it because that's not the character. We're not going to hear about it. So yeah, This movie's fine. not bleak enough. I need more suicide. <laughs> yes, come on. I want more depression, more downtrodden nightmares. We're, yeah. uh, I have a... Please, sorry, please. I, I while we're while we're kind of airing beefs, I ha I have a weird grievance with this movie, and uh, I have not. I mean, maybe a little nitpicky, but I, I'm wondering if you guys noticed it too. And it's no fault of anybody's from what I could gather, but the editors, which is a, a rare hmm. complaint for me. Hmm. But as I'm watching the movie, there's like these multiple scenes where I'm like, why did they cut away so quickly? Like, did you, did anybody else notice it? Like, just it kept on being like these like insert shots, and one of them was Kenneth, who turned out to be Kenneth Lonergan walking from the side. But there was like these multiple shots from the movies. Like, there's this one shot uh, right before the um the right before the second fire scene, the smoke alarm scene, where you see like the, yes. the town from a distance, and there's this beautiful night sky, and you're like, oh, that's beautiful. Oh, okay, we're done. Um, there's a bunch of shots like that where I'm like, why are these so like erratically cut? for a movie that is otherwise so static. I thought that was strange. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Like when he's in the lawyer's office and we're seeing that exchange go back and forth. Yeah, too, some of that stuff. Yeah, yeah it was kind yeah. of weird. So uh, maybe a little of, nitpicky, but I see what you're saying. Yeah, little, but okay. I just wanted to see if I was being nitpicky or if anyone else saw it. It's interesting seeing this a second time. Uh, no, because when I was in that theater, I had no clue what was going to happen. I was I spent the first... I think I timestamped it like 50 minutes when we find out this horrific tragedy. So I spent the 15, the first 50 minutes being like, lighten up, dickhead. So I wasn't able to like <laughs> truly invest myself into this character. But I'm telling you, man, this second viewing, like, it was so fucking weird. I, I don't know. I can't tell you the last time I felt like this while watching a movie. I was like afraid for what was to come. Like I was getting sick to my stomach many times just thinking about the fact that I'm going to have to watch this scene. And normally like that just doesn't like I know it's a movie and I get into this mode where like, yeah, this isn't real. These are actors. But I just could not shake this horrific dread I was getting from watching this coming. So, yeah, um, pretty interesting. I know what you mean I second viewing for me, too, like I said, and. 
it everything I know is going to happen. I, it became like a buildup each time. Like, oh shit, this is coming up. Oh shit, I'll get ready to get my fucking helmet on, my emotional, you know, preparation helmet, if you will. It's. I know what you mean. I just had a slight, probably slightly different response. I, I wanted to throw this out real quick because our pal Brian, mm-hmm. Dragon Movie Guy, sure. wanted to pop oh, in. Brian, what's up, man? Our, uh, Hey, buddy! Our waiting episode, mm-hmm. which is a classic. Uh, <laughs> great show, guys. Hate this oh film. Oh, my God. Super, is this payback? super disappointing. This is revenge. <laughs> writing was so bad. <gasps> the antithesis of Aaron Sorkin writing. No rat-a-tat-tat to the dialogue, resulting in no central narrative. And so much going unsaid. Each scene feels like a random Rolodex was spun, and that's the scene we're watching. No through line. Ugh. Well, I mean, he he also he says characters feel real, but the storytelling is so poorly constructed. It's hard to follow talented actors like Kyle Chandler's the man. But the writing is so bad. Ugh, thumbs down. Wow. This wasn't for Brian. Mm. The thing he mentioned, we hit on, but we took the other approach that so much is unsaid. That's what's beautiful about the performance and the writing and the overall direction of the film is there's a lot of things that don't need to be unsaid and maybe it gets exaggerated but yeah it's a very understated film can i I, if it had this feel with rat-a-tat dialogue um that would be incongruous right like it would just be um (laughs) for and and given the subject matter like I, i i get what he's saying i guess uh in that like maybe maybe he feels like there wasn't a lot of sparks flying when the dialogue happens but i also felt like much of the dialogue felt improvised um you know it, it, a lot of it seemed very uh authentic to me um yeah. and i i could I, I could imagine there being a you know a few select lines that were specifically of course uh, to be said but that some things were kind of like this is how he feels and, the, and that's more like they were reacting in that way um so to me that maybe that's all, again part of the authentic nature to the film for me there's so many different types of viewers. I mean, I'm not saying Brian feels this way, but he just may wanted it to be more like movie-y. Uh, and <laughs> so certain films are just going to attempt to be as realistic as possible. Now, there's a way to tell them that's not boring uh, or, or, or not comprehensible, but this movie feeds you a little bit at a time. So you're not, so it's not spoon fed to you. We get these little flashbacks, unlike any anything I've ever seen really in a movie that I can think of, where they come out of nowhere. They're not they're not conjured by someone seeing something in their house. They just they just come in little tidbits, and you get kind of a look at it. It's almost like a season of like a show packed into like a two hour movie because they stuff so much background into this without having to cut for like a half hour to like fill you in um that that that's what i really like yeah. about it it's just very different where did lucas hedges go guys yeah you mean like in our conversation no i, I mean he was just on it look at this what a tear he was on manchester by the sea ladybird oh. three billboards mid 90s mid 90s waves and then it, that was pretty much it. We're kind of where we're at now, and he hasn't done anything in a year or so. So it was the Lucas Hedges era. He this movie be, was a part of that prime time. He probably had some projects that got bumped back because of COVID, maybe. It would be a, a guess. And then also, how, what age is he yet? Maybe he's getting into college and maybe being less focused. I'm yeah. not sure how old he is. 
That's true. You're a wise man. He's probably going to be 25, I would guess. Oh, yeah. He's 26. He'll well, be 26. He's probably past college. Well, who knows? Who knows? But it uh, hasn't been that long. But how do we feel about his performance in this movie? <laughs> oh, I think it's incredible, dude. I think it's annoyingly teenager to a T. And when he has his little, when he finally really has that freak out at the fridge, at the freezer, mm-hmm. uh, I was like, okay, this makes sense. This guy's, he's he's known his father's going to die for a while. It's still painful, obviously, but there's a bit of more acceptance. You know, eventually it's going to happen. He feels all alone and he's trying to fuck his way out of it and play music out of it and beat up people at hockey out of it with Tate Donovan jumping in and saying, hey, cut the bullshit. No more swearing. But I really thought that he portrayed a fantastic version of a teenager and whether it was authentic in terms of how he processed it with grief, grief. I'm not sure about that, but I really thought his performance overall was stellar. He certainly um, follows the writing very well. Um, He feels kind of lived in. Mm -hmm. I, I, I I get that. You brought up um, uh, Tate Donovan. Uh, what is the function of his character? I don't know. <laughs> What's the purpose like, of this guy? It's a bigger role, but then like it's like, yeah, hey, I got a father who died too at your age, so I can completely relate to you, but that's it for us. We're done with me in this film. He's, yeah, he pops into two scenes and kind of comes off like he's going to be like a, a, a rival father figure in his life. Uh, and And I guess maybe he's supposed to show yet again the overwhelming amount of support that this town has for this kid uh i guess i also see it i see it as he maybe was shown to us to see despite how much he's offering him as his coach and hey my father died same age he's still really connected to lee patrick wants patrick loves lee he loves his uncle a great deal more than we even he lets on in his emotive expression or discussions that we get from the dialogue i think maybe that might be part of it. like hey this guy's here to reach out and help him and he's got george but he keeps going back to lee and that could be mm-hmm. my only guess here for how he's displayed yeah, that makes sense we're trying to find like purposes in characters and even like story elements. I think I, I think Lonergan is d- deliberately putting this stuff in here just to make it like it's 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 probably as easy as his coach is supportive. Like what else? We don't need a follow up scene like or anything like that. He's just support system. Uh, why do I why do I need to see it? I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matthew Broderick popping in. <laughs> Broderick. Last comment from Brian, the Dragon Movie Guy. Improvise is a good way to put the feel of this film, but improv leaves holes. Inconsistent, no flow to the writing. Damn. Goody Coots would have done better <laughs> writing the script. Wow. Well, Goody Coots can turn a phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, That's true. Yeah, Matty Broderick's alive and well, supposedly, seven years ago. Okay, so is, is that not distracting? Absolutely. Like, that actor of all people come in for this scene for one scene one minute of screen time <laughs> just enough time for I'm me to be like guess. hey remember ferris bueller what's he been up to he looks yeah. he looks kind of like a kid dressed up like an old man then he's out of the movie was this a tip of the cap to into the bedroom or i don't understand I, it's like hey remember you were in my other movie what is that, uh you're thinking of todd field oh is that, that what i'm thinking of yeah, yeah, yeah. a different person I failed. I'm fired. Cancel me for the show, guys. This will be my last performance. I'd like to say goodbye to everyone. All the support you guys gave me over the years. Did you know that uh, Todd Field played the piano player in Eyes Wide Shut? Todd, Todd, Todd. I love Todd. Yeah. I just learned Mm -hmm. that. That 
wild to me. I'm like, oh no shit, that mm-hmm. guy. Um, anyway, I was thinking old. of you can count on me. Is that what I was thinking of? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah he did that one. Lonergan did that one. Thank you. Okay, which makes sense. Uh, he certainly is good at uh, asshole family mem- members interacting <laughs> with Matthew Broderick. Yeah, Matthew Broderick was in there. Okay, there we go. You can count on me. Stars Matthew Broderick. Thank you. But I didn't really bother or wasn't displeased that Broderick showed up. I just thought it was no. taking away. A li- I guess take away a little bit from Gretchen Mole. Like, hey, well, the mom's coming. I mean, the mm-hmm. mom is portrayed as a piece of shit, and really all we get is that she exposes her vagina. Passed out on a couch and at home. that she in her home at, in her home and that she got angry when they were cracking jokes after they mm-hmm. find out that he's got congenitive heart yeah. disease. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which hello, Gala's humor. Like how else do you deal with this? Uh, but, but yeah, uh, maybe she, we don't really get. I mean, maybe she. We don't know. There, there was surely more. But again, like I, I, it, I think that the parallels between her and Lee are they're, they're there, right? There's some similarities. Oh, yeah, that's a great point. I didn't think about it like that. I really didn't. That, that makes sense to me. But also, one of the coldest moments of a movie that is very cold at times. Ooh. Oh, that email. email. Yeah, oh. man. That is harsh to a fucking teenager who's just trying to reconnect with his mother. What a dick. The, you know what else is, uh, while we're on this whole bit, is that moment when someone makes a joke and you make a joke back and they're like, Oh, Oh, I was joking. And you have to explain that you two were joking. <laughs> Half that film was brilliant. Cause we've all experienced it yeah. and it's awkward for every one of us. And, and what a way to demonstrate what a fucking awkward situation mm-hmm. that was. You don't have to be so formal, Travis. <laughs> Quit telling me that. Quit telling me how formal I'm, I'm acting. <laughs> uh, yeah. That was brutal, man. That dinner scene with Matthew Broderick and Gretchen Mould. Oh, lunch scene. Sorry. But oh, right. my God. So many stumblings and just tension galore. It's that was that was really well done. It's not really that fun to watch that scene again, but it's really well done. Yeah. yeah. And Matthew Broderick, I mean, uh, he's actually perfectly cast. Don't get oh, me, yeah. like, as far as to play that role. Uh, he can't help that we all see him and think, oh, Matthew Broderick, you know, uh, what can you do? Uh, well, uh, he ran away. He left us. He oh, left us. oh my God! Eric, he ran away. Yeah. Uh, we did start earlier on this one, but uh, you got any more notes that we haven't covered on this? Uh, let me. Um, uh, what have we got here? Uh, some stuff. By the way, George is George because George is there with Joe when he dies. Yeah, but he's also. Did you notice he was in the ping pong room at the party? I was going to ask you guys if you if you had caught that because there's so many dudes in there. I was mostly focused on counting how many dudes can they fit around this ping pong table. <laughs> and I didn't notice yeah. if George was among them or not because I actually thought that he wasn't because I thought that he's like the good friend. He's I did like notice- hiding in the right back, right okay. background. And I did. Yeah. I mean, I did notice that Joe, of course, was there, which is good because Joe. I mean, oh, he was. Yeah, Joe is sitting. He's sitting. Not. He's like one. Of the, he's like sitting on the left. And, oh uh, damn it! I was looking for him and I couldn't find yeah, him. Yeah, so that no worries. So we both saw the people that you know between the two of us we saw him. So they're in there. <laughs> which I was glad because I almost felt like Joe is too deified mm-hmm. a little bit. I'm like, like give this guy some flaws mm-hmm. that he can be sitting there and getting wasted while his uh, nieces, nieces and nephew are trying to sleep. He's well, he's cool. always pounding booze. Yeah, even when never when he comes when yeah, he's got the gamset, got the narrow yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I noticed. I noticed the gamset. Uh, yeah, damn right you did. Uh, Eric, anything else in your notes that we haven't covered here, my friend? I laughed 
A lot. Uh, the, like, there's a lot of levity in the movie. I mean, this is not like Schindler's List, depressing. But like, I, I thought a lot of it was funny. Like the stuff uh, Patrick was saying would make me laugh quite a bit, mostly because he's just a little snot ass fucking brat teenager. But like, I was laughing at a lot of those exchanges. Were you uh, laughing when uh, the mother of the teenage daughter was? painstakingly trying to have a conversation yeah, with Lee yeah. while they're how about how about those uh, I mean uh, that takes me this movie took me back and remind because I think you just maybe you just forget maybe you guys don't forget but I forgot like oh yeah the thrill like it when you're 16 and you got a boner man it really you're really excited about <laughs> oh like god. trying to connect with a woman and like hook up you really are it, it reminded me of that like oh my god you're right like because his whole focus it's like I'm working on it. Like everything he's doing, he's like trying to get laid. And I'm like, you know what? That's accurate. That is quite accurate. I'm not would, gonna lie. Would you please take your hand out of my cunt? Is a, a lot of- <laughs> yes! <laughs> oh, that was a great one for the end of the show. I thought we were gonna do that one at the uh, end. Sorry, yeah, sorry. That's good. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, I, I actually found that shit super awkward to watch. I'm like, I don't like watching these kids grope themselves, each other on film. Uh, like, this is getting weird. Cut away, Kenneth. I just inserted my own life, and I thought yeah. about my past. I was like, oh, oh yeah, man, man like, those were the days. Fumbling, Child man. actors fumble. Uh, <laughs> yeah, these kids are... <laughs> The kids are banging. It's happening, and that and that gets to the whole. We are, you know, in in death, we are in life. My point too is that, like, oh. that's that that he is experiencing life. He is uh, exploring, what, you know, the the what joys uh, life has to offer, and and becoming an adult, becoming a man, all that kind of stuff. That's you know, he's blossoming even as his uh, father is in a freezer. Oh, yeah, it's true. Freezer. Is, does that happen here in Michigan? Do we not bury people in the winter? So weirdly enough, today is the uh, the one year anniversary of when I lost my my corgi Rooney last year. Oh and, shit! Um, so I've definitely it's been really appropriate to uh, uh, talk about death and be all about death the last couple of days. But when she mm-hmm. passed, we're in the middle of January now, and I remember like I was like because I I ref- like I I will never be cremated. I was that would never cremate her. I'm very opposed to that. So I'm like I am. Uh, I'm get. I went out and bought a fucking pickaxe, and I'm like, I'm just gonna fucking break my arms and break this earth open, and I'm gonna make it happen. And nope, no, I'm not. I got it like an eighth of an inch down, and uh, that's as, as far as the earth would yield. And I ended up having to uh, buy a, uh, a a freezer, like a you know, like a like a like a you know, like a dorm kind of freezer, like a dog sized freezer. And I kept her in that until uh, the ground thawed several months later, and then I buried her. No so yes, shit. that is real. Well, I don't know, man. Like I, I've been to a funeral where someone was in the ground in March, and it's because they had to get power equipment out there. That's why I laughed at that joke when when Lee is like, "It's a fucking historical cemetery. They're not going to bring any machinery in there. The people will be pissed." And that's the thing. I think that, that's right. the thing. <laughs> yeah. If I had a backhoe, I could have buried my dog, I guess. But uh, that's the whole backhoe. point. Is that it's a historical cemetery. That's a plot that he bought. So they're not they're not going to do that. <laughs> Backo. Okay, I got to get off backo because I'm gonna think about that a lot. All right. Uh, <laughs> Memories. Mm. Mm. All right. Anything else, boys? Final notations here as we close out before we make our final ruling on this film. Have you ever um, had the freezer door door open while you were getting something out of the fridge and it and unbeknownst to you, it swings almost closed over your head. So when you get up, you mm, get God, up and do so it bad. like. Uh, when uh, that happens yeah. in the movie, I'm like, yes, yeah. that happens to me all the time. I do that to myself all the time. I was, I was excited. <laughs> <laughs> good note. Good note. 
And I'm bald, so you can always tell when I've hurt my head. So. <laughs> I like I like the music in the film, man. Like uh, some, I I read some people have an issue with like that adagio taking over like 15 minutes of the screen time uh, and really like laid on thick and in, in, in the tragedy sequence. Uh, and this is a, like a, a piece of music we've heard in like a lot of other movies like that, that all right, feel sad right now. This is very powerful and uh, tragic and operatic right now. Uh, yeah, I, sure. I, I love the piece in the film, uh, but I also really like the score. I was getting like pledge vibe, like the pledge. I was getting pledge vibes mm. during a lot of it. There's oh. like this uh, like a type of like fancy frolicking free stuff that was kind of interesting. Um, so I like the score. I, I, I love like I, I'm a big like ocean guy, especially like New England ocean. So it's, those shots were just mm-hmm. fucking gorgeous. Yeah, oh, yeah when they're the, uh, walking into mm-hmm, it, it's behind mm-hmm. and it comes into the picture. That's beautiful. Or the like the opening shots where you're kind of like on the boat's oh, eye view. Mm-hmm. Um, or when he's upstairs and he looks at the window, I'm like, oh, that's a pretty view. And then he punches through the window. I'm like, oh, that's how he feels about um, it. Um, <laughs> when you read a little bit about the actual Manchester by the sea, it's like a fucking rich yuppie town full of it's like a very oh, affluent really? neighborhood and they try to make it look like it's fucking like will hunting's like stomping yeah. grounds but yeah. it's just not that's they funny. make it look like uh he's on the nor'east alexa mm. man like uh, yeah. like it's uh or the down east alexa excuse mm-hmm. me excuse me <laughs> uh yeah they make it look like a like a work in town i guess it's not it's a beautiful beautiful little place where nothing bad ever happens I remember it's, it seemed to me like Michelle Williams had much more screen time than she actually does. I think it's like 12 minutes. No. Yeah, no, I, I, never, I remember no. I remember it being short because mm. I remember thinking when, when she was nominated, I'm like, oh, shit, they nominated her for like a mm-hmm. one scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, William Hurt-esque. I think that guy. three scenes, four scenes. I think four scenes mm-hmm. we have with her. The funeral, yeah. the the one that you mentioned, the... <laughs> when she's uh, yelling at the gremlins. Comes to the wake, comes oh, to yeah, the funeral. Right. Yeah, to the, to the, to the we, graveside ceremony, too. So five scenes, yeah. Uh, so sad. It's such a downer, man. When, <sighs> because it's a, just music playing over the wake. And <laughs> when she comes in it's and hugs so him and sad. he sees this baby and her with her husband, mm-hmm. and he shakes the next person's hand with his head down. Like, yeah. He never looks up to the guy's hand he's shaking. It's, yeah. Uh, it's beautiful. Yeah. That is, it's awful, but it's painful. It's so but it's, sad. That's what that's life, and it's brutal, and it's real. I don't. It's it's authentic and genuine. Something we uh, didn't mention um, is that much of the movie, you know, is is uh, what's the kid's name again? Patrick. Patrick. Uh, he's you know lying, finagling, trying to get his father to distract the mother. All these things, trying to do anything he can to sleep with one of these two women mm-hmm. in his life, mm-hmm. young women mm-hmm. in his life, and uh, and he's doing everything he can to do it. And then like finally at the end of the movie, uh, you know, Lee just like goes for a walk, it's, like very clearly, so that they would be alone. And he finally gets laid, which is uh, I th- I like the way that that's understated too. That like you don't see like. The same way that at the end of the movie that uh, when Patrick goes in for ice cream, it's the same grocery store that Lee had gone to the night that uh, the children burned. Uh, th- these things like, you know, the, the, the way that things can change. It's gonna, you can have a – did you notice that? You're making faces, Mike. Did you not notice that? I, no, I didn't notice. I didn't know yeah, that. Same exact – It's a, he doesn't go – that's partly why he doesn't go inside. He gives him money for it, but it's the same, it's the same exact uh, little grocery store because new memories oh. can hmm. be made uh, with the old – 
you know, the old haunts, which, you know, but that's, that's a subtle, that's how subtle the point is. You, you, you missed it. And, and again, like that's one of the things I think is a strength about this movie is that it doesn't beat you about the, I mean, it may beat you about the head with grief, uh, but it doesn't beat you about the head with the, with its messaging necessarily. It lets you kind of like do the work yourself. If you're trying to attract a possible sexual partner, would you encourage them to, um, um, plunge your own shit in your toilet <laughs> and then talk out loud blatantly on the phone that was impressive way to go get it girl i'm i'm impressed that she wanted that dong she wanted that janitor dong so bad even though he, he was plunging she, her shit. she said that she didn't want him because he no, was she's she was considering it she was considering I don't know. I think. Oh, you think that it was intentional for him to hear? Because I thought it yeah. was insulting because because she ended it, the conversation with it being like, well, you know, he's like the help, and then she tips him, which is yeah. really demonstrating like there's a divide between us. I'm not fucking. Yeah, <laughs> I can I can see that. That's actually a fair point, but I think it's you going either way. Like, hey, I still want you to come get me. So. I was way more satisfied with him telling off the fucking mm. idiot woman who <laughs> he wants her to get in the shower for this demonstration. You want to watch me shower? <laughs> He's like, Larry, I don't give a fuck what mm-hmm. you do. I, I can't leave. You remember? That. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's his line, man. He says that to Patty, too. I'll give a fuck what you do. He, that, he, that's his yeah. line. He'll give a fuck what anybody does. Yeah, he, well, he, he he does come across, across multiple times in the movie, like a guy who doesn't give the give a fuck mm-hmm. what other people are doing. That's sure. What? Okay, fine. I guess. All right, then. Well, is it time to say goodbye? Say goodbye. Do our roundup of thoughts here. Yeah, it's time to do our does it hold up or not, and I pick the film, so that means I go first, generally, usually. Although, you know, it's good to break up tradition, but we like tradition, too. It's good to have routines. And I will say that I chose this movie only seeing it once and being blown away in terms of the power of the film and it being so memorable for its painful nature and... There's a lot of people in this world who would be like, why the hell would you want to sit down and watch this? <laughs> I mean, why would you want to go through this? I mean, go watch Willy Wonka, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. a sadistic movie in itself, but, uh, or, you know, watch something fun. Put on a Fast and Furious, mm-hmm. like Robbie mm-hmm. said. And I guess I don't have a, I can't convince those people. I'm not going to convince them. I just like to see when art and this is art it's a film but it's more of an art piece it really is it's about but it's very authentic to human existence in the united states of america and universal with grief of course but just the little details about everyday life in the greater boston area it's very reflective of it and the way people deal with terrible traumas that happen how do they go Mm. forth do they choose to go forth can they go forth and how do the other people around them deal with it? That's a lot of this movie's about how people react around Lee. Like, uh, you just the never Lee know. Channel. The fucking Lee Chandler, that fuck. Yeah, um, yeah I don't, that story's bullshit. Mm-hmm. I don't believe it. But uh, what you get is a lot of people on eggshells at times, and they don't know what to say or do. I mean, Georgie and his wife, God bless them, they're trying to be so supportive and helpful and then he just starts sobbing in her bosom because he's so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. dejected and the pain is the pain hits him so hard and that's like I gotta get mm-hmm. the fuck out of here I can't be here anymore and that's why I love this movie because it doesn't give in to tropes and a lot of Hollywood you know uh, milieus like, like Eric said you know a big big speech a monologue it's not like that 
And oh, I like a good monologue too. I'm not against monologues. I'm just saying in this film, it's done with such authenticity and in an understanded way where people don't give you what you want to hear on a platter. That's not what life is. There's so many times I can think of my life of things I wanted to hear. Like, hey, this is what I need to hear. Or that's what I hope to hear. And I never heard it. And I never gave it back to a lot of other people. So that's what happens in life. To me, it also has that scene, which I, to this day, I will go to my grave or maybe I'll be cremated, Travis. I, I don't know. But I Still will great. say that, yeah, I will, either way, I'll be gone. And I, when I'm gone, my last thoughts about film will be that this scene between Michelle Williams and Casey Affleck, where they just cannot express themselves, but they're crushed by the weight. Their hearts are broken. She says, my heart will always be broken. It's so powerful. Mm. It's a fucking tearjerker, mm. man. I was just, I was just pouring tears. Mm. It was, I mean, I was like, oh shit, I got to do this show in a little while. I got to get my mm -hmm. life together. I'm like, how am I going to go on after this? It's that intense mm -hmm. to me. And sure, maybe I think of other painful traumas from my own life, but uh, it doesn't matter. What it matters to me is that this film is beautifully done and it holds up all the way. Yeah. Uh, I watched that scene on my lunch break in my classroom, like five minutes before my kids came back in and I had to fucking get it together in record time. I mean, the thing about this movie is it is so different. There's not much more I can say, Mike. You said you said it all, man. But movies have the abilities and it's easy to forget to do so many different things and express so many different emotions in different ways as a medium. This is a movie not like just about grief, but about the value of human life and having sympathy for people that seem unsympathetic. You tell me a if you tell me in real life a story about a fucking guy who burns his family because he goes out to get more beer. I'm going to want this man to be pummeled to death with lead pipes until he's dead. But no, I like Lee. I see a, uh, I see his heart in the film and I feel bad for the fucking guy. That's a powerful message. Um, and I love the honesty of these characters. Patrick seems like a fucking millennial teenage kid. He doesn't seem like a movie kid. That's fucking hard to write. Um, yeah, the performers are, are so heartbreaking and unbelievable. I just like the way the movie is, is written. It's written so differently. And it's not just a play script that's filmed. It's a great character piece. Uh, I, I fucking think it's the best movie of that year, period. End of story. It holds up completely. Loved it. Okay. Um, yeah, definitely very much a character study. And I think that character studies don't always get embraced by the public. And this one certainly has, which is cool to see. Um, I think that uh, I had a, a little bit of a different experience than you guys, or certainly at least you, Eric, in that the first time I watched this movie, I'm like, well, that's emotional work. That was incredibly difficult um i'm sure i'll see it again in my life but not many times if that and so i kind of had to be uh coerced into doing so by mike and um and given that you know i mean i've been dreading today for some time i'm very grateful to have the podcast to be distracted i was grateful to have worked today um but i was really dreading then i started dreading watching the movie last night because like you know last night was the last night i saw her alive a year ago so i was really thinking that i was going to be like a fucking wreck uh and i just wasn't i was actually um much less whelmed 
this viewing than I was the first viewing. And I imagine that if I watch it a third time, I'll be a little less whelmed than two. But I also um, picked up because I was looking for it more, you know, more assertively uh, taking notes for the podcast and stuff. But I, I did pick up on on things that I didn't pick up on. Like, and, and I am glad I watched it the night before because usually when we do this, I finish the movie and I go, well, that definitely held up to myself or I'll be like, well, that sucked or, you know, or I, I've got mixed feelings or whatever. And this was one where I was like, man, what the, what are they trying to say here? Like what is happening with this uh, unsatisfying or semi unsatisfying conclusion? So I had to think about it some more and I've already kind of unpacked my thoughts. So I'm not going to necessarily go through them again uh, about it being about life as much as it's about death uh, being one of the main things and uh, it being about how, healing can happen so slowly something that we've all experienced if we've lived any uh, you know grief comes into your life inevitably uh so it absolutely does hold up i I don't feel as in awe of the movie as i think the two of you i promise i won't be thinking about it on my deathbed mike it just won't cross my mind i'll be thinking of other things um but uh yeah it's absolutely a, a powerful film with powerful performances it uh, deserves the accolades, and it's a good movie. Yeah, great movie. Great job. Okay. Great job. Well, there it is. That's Manchester by the Sea. We did it. I didn't know how it would go, but look, we all respect the filmmaking process that was the result of their efforts. And that's all you can ask for on the Cinema Night Podcast. We'd like to thank everybody for being a part of the show, whether you watched live and joined in the chat. Brian, Dragon Movie Guy. One more thing for Brian, by the way. Why do I think the Coen brothers should or already have done a body in the freezer because the ground's frozen solid movie? Or if they haven't, they should stuff Steve Buscemi in a freezer? Seems oh, like maybe it they should, yeah. yeah. Seems like that, that is a thing. Yeah. Late lady killers? Yeah, yeah. We, did, we did that movie. Did, yeah. Was there a frozen person in that movie? I don't remember. There wasn't. It was in Mississippi and hotter than hell, so mm, it seems yeah, unlikely. Right. Uh, unlikely. But... Fargo? I don't know. I like lady killers. Yeah. I think <laughs> I said it held up. I have no idea. If somebody came up to me and said, hey, remember episode 72? In, <laughs> uh, okay. Did you say it held up or not? I'd be like, oh, <laughs> I'd uh, have to go back and listen. I, maybe. I'd, you have to tell me the movie yeah. first, but yeah. <laughs> We've done a lot of episodes, 144 in the can wow. here. And we're going back to the well next week. Travis Roy, what's happening uh, next week? Next week, we're having uh, an old friend of, of all of ours, uh, Amanda uh, Lutman Halbeck from uh, our high school days. She's going to be joining us on the podcast. She is a regular listener, supporter, and Hi, uh, commenter and that kind of stuff. So excited to have her on. And, and she's had lots of time to think about what movie she was going to choose because um, there's been this whole debacle where we're still waiting for our friend Paul to come on to do Fight Club with us. Um, so oh, there's been kind of like, you know, you know, yeah. there's been some, she's had, there's been like a few false starts for her and for him. But so she, she ran quite a few by me. And like you, Mike, I never try and, you know, sway anyone's opinion. Um, and one that she kept coming back to is the one that she settled on. We are going to go back to the 1980s, mm. an era that we've not wow. spent enough no time in. We need to go. Yeah, we need to spend more time in the 80s. I think it's our least. Well, I'd like to go back to the 70s mm-hmm. more too. But yeah, so we're going back to the 80s, uh, and we're going to be doing a Stephen King adaptation, mm. which we have not done enough of those. Holy shit! Either. Oh. We're going back to 1987, oh. The Running Man. 
The Running Man is a Stephen King adaptation? Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Yeah, totally. yeah 100%. Stephen King oh, adaptation. I didn't know that. The Running Man. I never would have guessed yep. that. It is. Ah! <laughs> See you yeah. at the party, Richter. Uh, See no, you uh, at the party. I've never, never really? seen The Running Man. Never Are you fucking kidding never me? Seen it. Dude, I grew up on it. Well, of course. You've we have never very... seen Richard Dawson no. at his finest? No, I've never seen this one. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah. You, you did well, see. Big Dick Dawson you, fan. You did... I've never seen Richard uh, <laughs> Wait till you see him here. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, I am blown yeah. away. This just I've seems seen like this. a requisite viewing for. Yeah. Wow. wow. That's, that's one of the bigger surprises of recent memory for me. Have you got Yafet Kodo in this? I mean, I will be on my deathbed thinking about how that time that Eric didn't see that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Why did he wait so long? <laughs> we got a, it's a great bad guy named Killian. Killian. Yeah. You can get a lot of Killian, man. Right, there's oh. Sub Zero. There's a and Dynamo. There's a lot of fun characters here. Yeah, there's we, a we cameo from a famous rock star. I won't say his name, right. but well, you're we, gonna we see got, that too. We clearly have plenty to talk about next week, so please join us here at. 7:15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Amanda yeah, checking no in, saying, shit. "Ah, you need you need some fun after this I'll week." Say. Yeah, between you're right, you're she, right, you're goddamn right. You really dead kids in the Running Man? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> I don't think so. Oh yes, actually, yes, definitely. Oh, Sorry, uh, I've danced the Running Man, but never seen the movie. What? Oh, Drake, Brian, you've never seen people. Watch uh, this movie and join us next week, please. Yeah, it'd be great. And thank you for joining us this week. Amanda, great choice. I am so excited. I mean, I I know how I'm going to feel about this, but I can't wait to talk no, about it. I mean, no emotional just... attachment. In a long time. I'm psyched. Psyched. Oh, man, it's so good. It's... Is it though? <laughs> All right. It's a beautiful film. All right, yeah. next week we'll do Running Man with our special guest, Amanda, and it's going to be a doozy. Until then, this has been the Manchester by the Sea edition. Thank you, everyone. Cinema iPod at gmail.com. Travis Roy, Air Fresh, Michael Govier. We bid you adieu. We are Stentorian. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs>